Well, this evening I wanted to talk about um, a subject that a lot of people find fairly interesting. And in the list of the Buddhist precepts that you take when you become um, like a practitioner of Buddhism officially, um, you sow one of these rakasus, and this is um, it is like the the rice fields in China, where if you poured water in one end, the elevation is tilted just so, and they're laid next to each other. That five different patties you could put the water in one end, and they would actually flow through the whole um, all, all through the whole rice field. So this is just like that, where it's like the Dharma or the teachings flow through the whole rakasu, and each of the little stitches is called the rain stitch to symbolize water. And um, every time you make a stitch, you say Namekie Butsu, Namekie Ho, Namekie So. And that is, um, I take refuge in Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. And so that ritual is something that is done when people are taking the precepts or saying that I want to live a certain way. And the precepts have a lot of different things like, you know, not taking what is not given, um, you know, not killing. And one of the ones that's more unique that people are curious about, how do I practice with that? Is that I vow not to intoxicate mind or body of self or other. I vow not to intoxicate mind or body of self or other. Now sometimes when people hear that, they think um, that means that um, I have to be a complete ascetic in order to practice Buddhism. My life will not be fun anymore. Um, I have to swear off everything from Netflix to Ben and Jerry's and then of course all the other bigger things you know um, alcohol and and my gummies and I have to swear swear off you know my my video games and um, you know all the rest of everything anything you can think of that you could be intoxicated by I need to swear all of that off and if I'm really enjoying it you know, then I have done something wrong. I, I feel like I can eat a sugar cookie and get intoxicated by it sometimes. I don't know about you, but sometimes if I haven't really had much to eat and I haven't had sugar in a while and somebody makes a really good sugar cookie, which might not stand out at all in like a mall store that's selling all these amazing cookies, but if I haven't had a cookie in a while, that might just really captivate my mind and I might really 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 want that sugar cookie is that wrong this is what I want to talk about because there is a misconception oftentimes about Buddhism that if you enjoy it if it's really fun if you're really into it then something's wrong because Zen needs to be super calm needs to be really, really, really kind of like, no, not, no, no, no big highs, no big lows. Um, I'm just, as they say in the verb tense now, I'm Zen, you know, it's like, but that's been co-opted by society in a way that really is not Zen. Because if you think about the Buddha, the Buddha was this person 2,500 years ago in the Indo-Gangetic plain in India going around. He had been a prince. He had been in a really wealthy family and he lived the opulent life. And then he was like, okay, no, I'm going to swear all of that off. 
And then he lived the ascetic life for several years, and it almost killed him. You know, he starved himself. He, you know, wandered around without any shelter. Um, just about killed him. And then he had this realization that this isn't the way either. In fact, that's just the mirror opposite of the other extreme as far as living. So in this, he came up with the middle way. And by coming up with the middle way, it can many times be misinterpreted as the boring way or no highs and lows way, um, you know. But if you think about it, biology, psychology, relationships, life, nature, nothing happens that way. Everything you look at on this planet has all sorts of highs and lows, has exciting times and not so exciting times. I mean, I gave, one person asked me one time, they said, well, I was really excited about something. They were just like, um, is that Zen? You know? And I said, well, think about it this way. Um, what about sex? Do you want to be with a partner that's just like, I'm just Zen. I'm just kind of into this. Um, not really into it, not like super excited, just kind of like mellow. I'm just kind of into this, you know. It's like, that'd be kind of boring, you know. You, you, and, and, and yourself, I mean, that'd be really hard to hold yourself back, you know. You'd just be like, you know, okay, I'm just going to kind of enjoy this, but I'm not going to really enjoy this, and I've got to keep it mellow, you know. No, that's not, that's not what happens. And that would be unnatural. And so what I say to people is that when it's cookie time, enjoy the cookie. You know, if someone gives you a sugar cookie, enjoy the sugar cookie, you know. But here's the thing. Just like when we were sitting meditation earlier and something pops up into your head, that's the phenomenon of what's happening right now. And so you get used to accepting what's happening right now. And that's training for life so that you can learn to meet the moment and what the moment is asking for. And the moment might be asking for a lot of energy and excitement. Or the, the, the moment might be asking for not so much energy and excitement. I mean, have you ever been with a group of friends and somebody tells a joke and it's really funny? And everyone starts laughing. And then somebody else says another joke, and it's even funnier. And then everyone starts laughing harder. And then another person tells another joke, and it's even funnier. And now you're really all laughing. And then everyone's having so much fun with like the momentum of the joke, then someone tries to tell even a funnier joke, but it's not funny. And then someone else even tries to tell a funny, and it's like, yeah, it's not funny, you know. And you notice, like, people want to keep the momentum going of, like, that fun, laughing moment. But, like, the moment passed, you know. No one had any hilarious inspirations anymore. And now it's just kind of dead, and we're trying to, like, keep it going, you know. That's the same thing when I'm on my ninth cookie. It's like, cookie time has been over for a while. Now, I don't know if cookie time ends at three or two or one or where it ends. Probably has to do with the size of the cookie and the size of the person and how much you had to eat before. And there's a whole bunch of other cookie metrics you could think of. But at some point in time, you know that you have passed the line where you have gone past cookie time. And that is what Zen is trying to help you realize is how do I meet the moment that's in front of me? Are you a person that can use alcohol? 
some people can use alcohol in a way that is healthy. It's not necessarily great for your body, just like refined sugar is not necessarily great for your body. But in some sort of moderation, people have found ways to use alcohol. Some people cannot find a healthy way to use alcohol, and all their empirical personal evidence is that they should not drink alcohol. Same thing with a lot of different substances, but as the substances get harder and harsher and more taking over your mind and body, the question has to become more and more, can I use this substance at all? You know, is this really something that I should be doing? Because here's the thing, we have, just like when we were sitting Zazen, we have aversion and we have, attra and we have attraction. You have the thought that you are really attracted to, whether it's a fun thought or a negative thought, you might be attracted to it, like you want to ruminate over that thing that person said and drive yourself crazy. Or you're attracted to it because it's a really fun thing that you want to think about that you're going to do on vacation and that see all my friends or you know to that. So all that, the attraction, the attraction thought. And when we were sitting, what we tried to do was not actually add anything to it. The thought pops up, oh, I'm going to go to that restaurant while I'm on vacation. And then that's all you let pop up. The thought, I'm going to go to that restaurant. That's what the universe gave you, a thought. But you don't add anything to it. Oh, I think I should invite this person and that person. And I really hope that, you know, this and such. I hope the specials are happening. What, you know, you, you, don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't do anything. All, all that happened was you thought about the restaurant, you know, attraction. Nothing wrong with that. That's what popped up. And then you have aversion. Stuff will pop up into your head where you're just like, Oh, that makes me seem like I'm like petty or jealous, or that makes me seem like I'm a little childish, or that makes me seem like uh, whatever, and you just want to like bury that thing, you know, rather than just let it come up, don't add anything to it, no judgment, hmm, just like a curious artist or a curious scientist watching something unfold with just like that, hmm, but no judgment, you know, if you're a bad scientist. You set up an experiment, but you know exactly how it should go. And then when it doesn't go how, it, how you want it to go, you get mad, you know. But no, a good scientist is just there with curiosity. That's all they're bringing to the table. They're letting it unfold. Hmm. And so, it, I mean, the experiment might just be, you know, a complete mess. But if you're not letting the experiment happen, you'll never learn from it. So you're there with nothing but curiosity. And that's what you're doing with your life. So I'm sitting there, and the stuff comes up, and I'm like, hmm. Even if I'm averse to it, oh, that makes me seem like I'm a three-year-old. You know, I want to push that down. No, just let that hang out. Don't push it away. Don't add anything to it. It's just hanging out there. Hmm. And so with intoxicating ourselves, we do it for the exact same reasons. Either we're averse to how we're feeling and we want to escape. And so, like, I come home from work and I don't like how I'm feeling. I'm nervous, I'm tense, I'm whatever, and I want to get out of this, this state. And I want to do it instantly. So maybe I enjoy shopping. And I get online and I just start buying stuff. Or maybe I enjoy um, just hyper-socializing and I just end up calling friends all night long about a whole bunch of different sort of things just to get myself away from how my body feels. Or, you know, all these different things. Now, there's nothing wrong with shopping. There's nothing wrong with socializing. There's nothing wrong with 
or most of the stuff that you can think of. But if I am habitually living a life where I don't want to feel what I'm feeling, and I'm always having these things that I surround myself with, whether it's, you know, working out or um, sex or um, food or alcohol or some other sort of substance, and I'm really not living my life. Like most of the time I actually default to trying to escape into surfing the web, playing video games, watching Netflix. I mean, I've certainly done that before, not liked how I was feeling, not like what was going on in my life and watched nine hours of Netflix. I have done that. And I'm avoiding my life when I'm doing that. I'm intoxicating myself when I'm doing that. And so that is the question, is that am I averse to how I'm feeling? You know, in the modern age, oftentimes things that were considered normal human emotions have been in some way or another cast into a negative light, like being sad. Like if I come home and I'm sad or I'm a little bit lonely and I'm making dinner, do I have to turn on a podcast or turn on music really loudly or call my friend or do something to, to make myself distracted from the fact that I'm sad? You know, or maybe I can just learn to be a little sad as I make my dinner and notice how I hold that in my body and not have to run away from it to just be a human being that is just feeling something, you know. Sometimes I've noticed that I'm working with anxiety that um, it gets much better if I don't um, in some way or another vilify myself for having anxiety. You know, if I'm just like, yeah, I'm anxious. That's what's going on. And then if I tell myself every time I notice that I'm anxious, I have to distract myself from it. Well, then I never really get to actually be with it. And what if I can just go ahead and make my bed and go ahead and just do the next thing? Now, I'm not talking about chronic conditions where it's good to see a psychotherapist or to see a professional or that medication is necessarily wrong or what have you. I've done all those things and there's time and a place for all of them. But I've also noticed that many times in my life I just want to escape how it is that I'm feeling in just every single little minor little way, you know, and I just want to find some way to distract my mind. And do I build a life that is based on distraction, that is based on escape? Or do I find a way to actually learn to be with this person? Because as you get to know yourself, and as you let it unfurl without all of the different ways of escaping, whether it be pushing things down, or it be grabbing on things like a shiny object, a certain equilibrium starts to enter into a person's life. And that's what people learned about Zen a long time ago. And they learned it about Buddhism before Zen because Zen was just an incarnation of that in Japan that came out of Chan Buddhism in China, which came from India. And they start to notice that there's like a deep equilibrium that started being built as people were willing to have the courage to be with their life as it was happening. 
just moment by moment, not having to escape from it. And when we're sitting, letting that be the most important thing on the planet that I could be doing, because that's what I'm going to be doing, and let myself do it wholeheartedly. And then when I'm making my bed, see if I can just make my bed, rather than think about the coffee or think about the thing I'm going to do at work or think about the thing I need to whatever. What if I can just be with my comforter and my pillows and my blankets and my sheets and whatever thought pops up, just let it pop up, but don't add anything to it. Because the most important thing is for me to be making my bed because that's the thing that I'm doing. And in the course of that, you start to notice what's coming up, the feelings, the emotions, the things that we might want to escape from or want to run away from, or the thing that we might want to hold on to really tightly. And so when we look at substances, as far as intoxication, people typically think of drugs and alcohol, but you can get intoxicated by anything like we've been talking about. You can find a way to intoxicate yourself with just about anything. You can escape into Zen if you want to. Not actually as it's supposed to be practiced, but you can use the structure of Zen to like find a way to escape everything and to just like zone out and to try to be mellow and try not to feel all the highs and lows of life. People have done that before. There is almost, I haven't been able to think of anything that someone couldn't possibly use as an escape at one point in time. Um, I even heard about, uh, I kid you not, a scientific um, case of someone who found out that they could, um, if they drank too much water, it would make them drunk. And it's a lot of water. It's not just like a little bit of water. But somehow or another they found this out, like if they drank a lot of water all the time, that it would actually make them feel kind of drunk. You know. I mean, there's just like, you know, people tell you, drink water. Well, anything can be, you know, potentially abused to escape. But what is it that I am not comfortable with feeling, you know? Um, and what is it that I use to escape? And do I encourage other people to escape, you know, to have like a, a partner or a friend in my escaping, you know? And when we have intoxication, it is because we are attracted to propelling something further that we want to keep going as a way to escape, or we want to push something away that we don't want to feel. And what we want to do is to learn to be honest with ourselves about how we're living our life and whether or not most of the time we are right there with the thing that we're feeling and whether or not that is um, something that is okay. Learning to be a human being moment after moment and learning to feel lonely without propelling loneliness. You don't want to propel sadness. You don't want to propel anxiety. But can you just feel that? And can you get to notice where you hold that in your body? And can you hold it without guilt? Like, if I would have done everything right, I wouldn't be lonely. Well, no, actually, stuff happens, and people feel lonely. And it's not a sign that I did something wrong. It's just, yeah, people can feel lonely. And where do I hold loneliness? 
you know and you don't even have to ask yourself that language that, that question in your native language you know it's just hmm you just kind of notice it you know like how you notice a beautiful moon you don't say to yourself wow the contrast of that circle against the dark night is you know you, you don't analyze it you just like look at it and go huh you know you just kind of take in beautiful moon so you just take in how it is to be a human being you know and years ago in my 20s I used to binge drink on the weekends that's how I dealt with stress was I would just drink way too much alcohol on Friday night and Saturday night sometimes with my friends sometimes by myself and then I wouldn't during the week because I would get really busy or whatever but then when everything would calm down and I wouldn't be so busy and I would just be at home by myself in my apartment or my house and I would get to feeling lonely and not really feeling like you know I really liked my life or whatever I would not want to like be with that feeling and I would want to escape it you know and so that's what I did you know I would drink and um, yeah learning to be with myself was like such a, a wonderful thing it's just like wow I can I can be sad or bored or lonely or whatever and um, and noticing like clouds that oftentimes those things would pass you know and um, you know and some of the things in my life didn't pass that seemed more chronic so I went to a psychiatrist and got some good help got some medication but that was just kind of like a springboard um, so much of the work was really me learning to be with being a human being and being um, someone that has highs and lows and Zen does not want to take away your highs and lows they want to help you learn how to be with your highs and lows in a way that's appropriate for the moment so that you can totally enjoy the sugar cookie and then when cookie time is over then you know how to move on and you can feel the sadness of leaving all those other cookies behind.